patching at the speed of cybercrime. I'm Tanya Hall, and joining me is Dr. Tim Junio, Senior Vice President Products for Cortex at Palo Alto Networks. Welcome, Tim. Thank you for having me, Tanya. Tell us a little bit about your role at Palo Alto Networks. Uh, so as the head of products and engineering for Cortex, I'm responsible for our product portfolio that includes our solution for Endpoint, which is called XDR, our automation product, XOR, and our attack surface management product, Expanse. Palo Alto just released a new report titled 2021 Cortex Expanse Attack Surface Threat Report. It opens with a discussion of the race between threat actors and security teams once a vulnerability has been announced. Who usually wins that race and why? <laughs> uh, well, unfortunately, technology that has been around for now almost 10 years makes it really easy for anybody to search the entire internet space for exploitable machines or other types of internet connected devices. So I would say typically adversaries are winning in that race. And the reason is if you're a criminal actor or you're a nation state hacker, hacker someone who's looking for exploitable things on the internet, uh, you can start searching immediately after an exploit has been published. But if you're on the defender side, if you're in IT or information security for a large organization, say for a big company or government agency, for you to find the ones on the internet that are relevant to you is a much harder problem because you need to understand which assets are yours. So what is your actual inventory? And then who within your organization might be operating that exploitable device? So imagine, for instance, an exploit is published so that hypothetically you can take over any one of a class of printer, like an IoT device. A hacker can just start looking through the whole internet in minutes for all of them that could be breached immediately. Whereas if you're an IT administrator in a big organization, you've got to find out which of my printers are vulnerable and then who's using them, like which business unit. Uh, if it's a regional office, where in the world is that printer and figure out how to contact the person who has actually plugged it in to get them to do a patch or update or remove it from the public internet. So the sequence of events favors looking for bad stuff everywhere, as opposed to looking for your own bad stuff. What have you found regarding the number of high profile security issues discovered each day? We took a look at Fortune 500 companies and were surprised to find that significant exposures, things that we would say violate best practices and create meaningful risk to the organization, happen on average every 12 hours. So that means for the average Fortune 500 company, a couple of times a day, something is exposed to the public internet that shouldn't be, either because it's a type of device or service that should never be on the public internet, or it's one for which there has been a published exploit. What vulnerabilities top the list? So we've just seen in the last uh, year or so, a whole bunch come out. Earlier this year, there were exploits published with Microsoft Exchange servers. It's a type of email server. Um, so those were published 
uh, together and made available so that the information security and IT communities could go and uh, patch those exposed uh, and vulnerable devices. Uh, but one of the things that was bad about that exposure was we saw other actors like potentially criminals, government agencies, uh, and you know ethical researchers too, but basically people who are looking for the exposed assets were scanning within about five minutes of when those exploits were published, which is the fastest rate we've ever seen in history of an exploitable device uh, getting scanned at internet scale after the exploit was published. Wow. What did you learn about the cloud infrastructure? So when we were looking at the sample of Fortune 500 companies and their attack surfaces and how those attack surfaces were changing, we found that of those exposures that show up a couple of times a day on average for Fortune 500 companies, in the data, about two thirds of those exposures were showing up in commercial cloud environments and about one third in what would be traditional on-premises IT. So on the one hand, that tells us the story that commercial cloud adoption is missing tight security and IT controls. So we're seeing really high rates of exposures in cloud environments, meaning like a central IT or security organization doesn't know everything that their org is doing. So something that we might call shadow IT or unmanaged assets. But then also on-premises, still at a rate of a third of everything that we're seeing, that's still a good chunk of the uh, exploitable machines that we're seeing in our data. Uh, those are the most monitored, supposedly the most locked down parts of large organizations' networks. And yet this basic cyber hygiene is not a solved problem. So we're seeing both commercial cloud is where most of the action is at, but even the home bases are not really covered. And so many of these vulnerabilities stem from the recent pivot to remote work, right? For sure. So during COVID, we observed the attack surfaces of large organizations growing massively. So when you have an employee who's working from home in some kind of commercial internet space or from coffee shops or wherever they may be, if their employee workstation, you know, the laptop that has been assigned to them is not configured correctly, it can end up on the public internet with no firewall, meaning anyone in the world would be able to communicate with it, test usernames and passwords, test software exploits against it. And at any moment in time, when we're looking in our data, we see millions of Windows workstations and virtual machines in cloud environments that are directly accessible over the public internet. So someone in Russia, China, anywhere in the world could communicate with that uh, Windows machine or virtual machine as though they were right in front of it. So what lessons can we take away from this report? So I think it's most important for large organizations, you know, big companies and government agencies to consider how well they know their base inventory and to think about inventory management as a security problem. And the reason for that is you can have all the security investments in the world be spending hundreds of millions of dollars per year on your security posture, but if it's not applied to everything in your environment, then you could have edge cases that create meaningful risk for you and your security investments don't touch them. So if you don't know about everything that's in your inventory, you can't get 100% return on investment for what you're paying for. 
Furthermore, when there are events like exploits published to be able to break uh, security on devices and services, uh, you need to very quickly understand where all of the vulnerable uh, systems are within your IT infrastructure so that you can go and patch them or remove them from the internet to at least buy some time until you can patch them. Dr. Tim Junio, Senior Vice President, Products for Cortex at Palo Alto Networks. If somebody wants to connect with you, Tim, maybe they want to get a copy of this report. What's the best way they can do that? You could add me on LinkedIn if you want to chat, uh, send me a message. And we've got the attack up on the Palo Alto Networks website. Uh, so maybe we could put the link up at the bottom of the screen. And anyone who's interested in reading the report, I'd encourage you to download it. And if you have follow-up questions, uh, write to us. And we'd be happy to help with an assessment for your organization of what your attack surface uh, posture looks like and whether or not we might be able to help. Thanks again for your time, Tim. Thank you. Thank you so much, Tanya, for having me. And by the way, at the top of your heap, Snow Crash, my favorite sci-fi book of all time. <laughs> Held up really well since, I think, 1992. Uh, so I wanted to squeeze that in before we finish the interview. Thank you so much. It certainly has. Uh, and that's why it's at the top of the list. Thanks again, Tim. And find Thank and you. subscribe. Yeah, of course. And find and subscribe to more of my interviews right here on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or at tanyahall.net. Thanks for watching.